Hello, 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 and welcome to The Timelines Project, a podcast all about the lore and story of Magic the Gathering, a very fun and interactive trading card game. If you're new, welcome. If you're not, welcome back. Today's episode is about Flowstone. What is it, and how does it work? If you're new, uh, this one isn't for you. You're going to want to go listen to episode 13 first, and uh, you actually might want to wait until uh, episode 15. I was considering releasing this after episode 15, but I already said I was going to do it. So this this contains spoilers for Bloodlines, so I would go listen to episode 13 first. And uh, in episode 13, if you're new, I'll tell you to go listen to episode 4, 8, and 12. So actually go do that first, then come back. Alright, I got that out of the way. Now, let's start with the topic for today, Flowstone. Okay, so the goal of this episode is to try to find a real-world parallel of the Flowstone of Wrath. And uh, the Flowstone is what the plane is made of. It's this tan sandstone-like thing. So the first thing I did was I looked up Flowstone. Turns out it's a real thing. It's composed of, and I'm quoting Wikipedia here, sheet-like deposits of calcite or other carbonate minerals formed where water flows down walls or along the floors of caves. They are typically found in solution caves in limestone, where they are most common spelothem. I don't know what that means. However, they may form in any type of cave where water enters that has picked up dissolved minerals. Flowstone may also form on man-made structures as a result of calcium hydroxide being leached from concrete, lime, or mortar. These secondary deposits, created outside the cave environment, which mimic the shapes and forms of spelothems, are classified as calthemites and are associated with concrete degradation. Uh, that was riveting. Also, fun fact... Flowstone is commonly referred to as cave bacon. I thought that was interesting. Now, of course, the Flowstone of Wrath isn't formed from water flowing down caves or concrete. It's made in a volcano. I believe it's classified as a mineral. Uh, I think I have a quote somewhere. Uh, Let me go grab the book real quick. Uh, Is this it? Where is it? Uh, Oh, here it is. Found it. I don't know if you guys can hear any of this. Okay, all right, I'm back. I have the book. Uh, page 185 of Nemesis, all right. Uh, here we go. Wait. Okay, I found it. And I quote, The tiny machines were highly resistant to normal magical influence because it was artificial. Flowstone existed at the molecular level. In order to survive reprogramming and recombination, Flowstone molecules were extremely balanced harmonically, and therefore resistant to any sort of energy input. Uh, And then I have another quote a little later on. The secret of flowstone manipulation lay in focusing magic or mental energy on individual molecules of the stuff. And uh, the one last quote is, Evan cars were given this psionic ability by the Phyrexians during their physical metamorphosis. End quotes. All right, a few takeaways here. First, 
Magic Flowstone is nothing like real-world Flowstone, so we can cross that off the list of possibilities. Second, Flowstone doesn't react with much on the molecular level, uh, similar to noble gases, and I'll get to that later. And third, Davil is like the most powerful telepath in the whole multiverse if he can manage to manipulate large amounts of Flowstone without the Evancar's powers. Okay, uh, we'll, we'll start with the first takeaway. So we can cross off real Flowstone, so what's next? To my knowledge, there isn't any solid that doesn't interact with anything at the molecular level, let alone a solid that doesn't interact with anything and is made out of robots. However, there are some elements that don't interact molecularly, and those are the noble gases. Unfortunately, uh, that's just the problem. As the name would suggest, the noble gases are all gases. They aren't stable in a solid state, and it has to be really cold for them to become a solid in the first place. And Wrath is not cold, and I know this because they have trees, and, uh... I think it's described as hot, I would have to find a quote, but they have trees, and trees don't like the cold, um, especially swamp trees, because they, they have a massive swamp. However, um, I did find a way around the cold problem, it's very convoluted though. Uh, so helium is the first noble gas, and it becomes a solid under 25 atmospheres of pressure, at around negative 1.5 Kelvin negative 272 Celsius, or negative 457 Fahrenheit. Now that information doesn't really help us that much, because we already determined that wrath isn't cold, because tree. But increasing the pressure also increases the temperature needed to form solid helium. Does it increase? Yeah, it increases it. Uh, so at about 114,000 atmospheres, solid helium is formed at room temperature. Okay, so, now that I'm thinking about it, maybe that doesn't work, because I don't even, I don't think even the Phyrexians could survive at 114,000 atmospheres of pressure. Maybe they can, maybe that's not that much, but it's like 200 tons of pressure per square inch, so, I don't, I don't know. And I know for a fact, a regular human like Davil or me could not survive that. Okay, so let's try a different approach. When I was writing the script for this episode, I thought about this a lot, and I came up with the really convoluted helium thing, but I don't think we're going to find a real-world counterpart to Flowstone besides solid helium. And I ain't even get into any of the it's-made-out-of-tiny-robots part. I didn't want to touch that. Um, so let's focus on the third takeaway, which was Davil. Davil is a regular human. He did undergo some phyrexianization to keep him alive. Uh, he had complete ears and a mouth so that he could talk with Krog. Krog is one of the phyrexians. Uh, see episode 13 for more details. Also, more information on Davil. See episode 13. Uh, and, of course, a few of Davil's other parts were replaced, I assume, like his heart or something. His brain wasn't touched, though, uh, and his, his brain and soul were not tampered with, and those are the only two things that need to be changed in order to give him the psionic abilities mentioned in the third quote. So, how powerful is Davil if he's able to manipulate 
massive amounts of flowstone without Evancar abilities. Is he the most powerful psychic in the multiverse? Or is he just your run-of-the-mill, bunny-out-of-hat magician? First, let's look at the feats an average Evancar could achieve and see if Davil measures up. The two Evancars I know the most about, and I think are the most explored in the lore, are the Vampire Krovax and the Shapeshifter Volrath. We'll talk about Krovax first because I know more about him. First, I'll provide a little backstory because we haven't reached Krovax or Volrath in the story so far. This is the spoiler warning. If you don't want Nemesis, I think just Nemesis, the, the Mercadian Masks Cycle, which is only two books away, actually. Um, but if you don't want that spoiled, this is your spoiler warning. Okay. Krovax was a part of the crew of the Weatherlight. He had joined them when they were going to the Plain of Wrath, and while on Wrath, he killed an angel and got cursed with vampirism. The Weatherlight left him and trapped him on Wrath because he tried to attack them because he was a vampire. He wandered the plane for a while and eventually learned how to control his new powers, and these include flight, teleportation, and the ability to steal people's life force. He then made his way to the Phyrexian Fortress, where he underwent the physical metamorphosis that gave him the ability to control Flowstone. At first, he was able to influence uh, Flowstone a little, but as he consumed more and more souls, he grew in strength. Probably Krovax's greatest feat with Flowstone is when his, he had his army take 6,000 hostages, and then he killed them all one by one by running them through with Flowstone spikes and creating like a, a massive forest. Krovax, to my knowledge, has only ever overlaid Wrath and Dominaria once during a book, and that was only implied, it was at the very end. Uh, it sounds like Krovax wasn't that strong, but he was the reigning Evancar during the Wrathy overlay, and he didn't have the decades of experience, decades or centuries actually, that Davil and uh, Volrath had. Uh, speaking of Volrath, we'll talk about him next. I I might be remembering wrong, because it has been like a year since I read the books about Volrath, but his flowstone feats aren't really described. All we know is that he's stronger than Krovax, and we know this because, actually, before I do that, I'll do some backstory. Uh, more spoiler warnings. So, Volrath was Gerard's adopted brother, and Gerard is Urza's heir from the Bloodlines. The whole point of the Bloodlines project was to create this perfect person. Gerard is that perfect person. Volrath was overshadowed by his adopted brother, and he didn't enjoy it. He was manipulated by a Phyrexian spy into stealing part of the legacy weapon, and then he fled with it to Wrath. There, he underwent the physical metamorphosis and became the, I want to say first, kind of the first official Evancar of Wrath. Like I mentioned before, I don't think Volrath's powers with Flowstone were ever really explored, but he did fight Krovax for the title of Evancar, and he outclassed the vampire because he had two more decades of experience. However, Krovax cheated and was helped by a wizard, so anything that Krovax achieved, so the 6,000 hostage thing, 
um, can be attributed to Volrath. Okay, so we looked at the two Evancars of Wrath, uh, one with only about a, a year or two of experience, and one with about 20 years. How do they compare to Davil, who had about half a millennia of experience? First, let's look at Davil's feats of strength. He was capable of manipulating small amounts of flowstone around year 20 or 30, it's unclear. Bloodline specifically calls out that he could form knives. Um, so that's already kind of on par with what Krovax achieved. He was able to do a little bigger things, but it was mainly like ripples and, and forming large cubes and that sort of thing. After about a century of experience, Davil could form an entire forest from memory. That's a big leap. Uh, it was like 70 or 80 years and he was already able to make a massive forest. Or not massive, but decent sized forest. Also, at the 100 year mark, Davil conducted his first overlay. Now, this overlay has a few key components. First, Davil had to send signals to the machines in the Phyrexian Fortress that would soften the flowstone so it would be easier to manipulate. The machines don't transform the landscape. They definitely help, but it's the Evancar's job to sort of form the landscape. And I think during the Wrathy overlay, they actually do form the landscape. So maybe I'm wrong here. And I, I know he had to do it all, though. Or he at least had to do part of it. Um, the, the second part is that he had to overlay Wrath and Dominaria. And this was, this was with the help of the machines once again. And then he had to grab all the souls of the people in the forest and bring them through the Blind Eternities to Wrath. So he's like half planeswalking. And he did all of this without the Evancar's powers. He wasn't even fully Phyrexianized. He was only like half Phyrexianized. So that's that's already really impressive. And of course, this is only his first overlay. It, it gets better from here. And this is spoilers for the, the next episode. In, in that one, Davil managed to complete an overlay at the very edge of Wrath where overlaying is the hardest, but it doesn't stop there. Davil then went on to complete several overlays in a row while the Phyrexians were fighting the Keldons, and then Davil's final ultimate feat or whatever was the Phyrexian attack of Yavimaya. For a bit of backstory, Davil had sent spies to Yavimaya uh, because he believed the forest was even more dangerous than Urza. He overlaid a large force to try to destroy the forest, but Yavimaya had been preparing uh, during all of Bloodlines, and it was ready and quite easily defeated the force. Davil had been defeated, but it doesn't detract from the fact that he went toe-to-toe -to -toe with one of the most powerful nature spirits on Dominaria. And you might be thinking, but Davil didn't actually fight, and you're right. But the whole time, he was keeping the bridge between Wrath and Dominaria open, while the forest was trying to close it. Davil kept the gate open and only closed it when the forest sent a warrior through to try to kill him. Davil has got to be one of the most powerful telepaths in the whole multiverse. He took on Yavimaya while overlaying two planes. All while he wasn't even fully Phyrexianized. Nicol Bolas who? Jace the Mind Sculptor? More like Davil the Plane Sculptor. 
If Davil had ever been completed, he might have been able to conduct the whole Rathi overlay by himself. And that's a stretch, but as you'll remember from the, the, the quote earlier, to manipulate Flowstone without the psionic ability, you have to focus mental energy on each molecule of Flowstone. And he could create large valleys, all with his mental abilities. Uh, so, yeah, this episode was originally supposed to be about the real-world counterparts of Flowstone. This is the end, by the way. This is the end of the episode. But it ended up just being about how cool and powerful Davil is. I might do an update on Flowstone when I get to the Mercadian Cycle, which is two books away. Two? Is it two? It's two. It's two books away. Because I'm going to do Thran next week, and then... Or not next week. After I finish up Bloodlines. Thran, after Bloodlines, and then Wrath and Storm, and then the Mercadian Cycle. So I might do an update when I get there. Uh, but this is all I have for now. If you enjoyed it, let me know, because I have linked my email in the show notes, or the the Timelines Project email, not my email. Anyway, uh, that's all, folks, and I'll see you next week. 